0: Good evening, Rudy. Welcome to a Monday night Big Footy Tigercast. Hope you're all doing very well out there. Unfortunately, we're not coming to you live after a win, although it was a a fairly hard-fought three quarters, but we just stumbled in the last. The Ds were a bit too strong there in that final quarter, um, but the boys had a red-hot crack, and I'm sure we'll uh, we'll touch on that a little bit later. Uh, We have a very special guest in the house tonight. He... Was drafted at pick 18 in the 1990 midseason draft, or the number 41 for 144 games and 33 goals. Scott Turner, welcome to the show. Good evening. How are you? Going very well. Thanks yourself. Good, mate. Good. That's the way. A big thank you to Nick as well for helping organize this. Shout out to Nick. You'll pop up in the chat shortly. Uh, before we get into, I suppose, your career, I do want to also give a shout out to Buddy Franklin, who's just announced his retirement tonight. He's a superstar of the game, uh, being a, a defender, how would you have gone playing on a Buddy type? Do you reckon?
1: Uh, a bit too strong and quick for me, I'd say. So, uh, a great career for Buddy, and yeah, it was always a pleasure to watch over the years. And yeah, sad that it come to this injury to to end his career, but I'm sure yeah. he'll he'll live on and celebrate for a few days and something... a few years.
0: Is that something you've maybe noticed over the years is that, I suppose, the type of forward that's changed from when you were playing versus the modern of today? Like, how different do you see it being? Yeah,
1: when I was sort of, I suppose, before I retired, I was sort of coming up against the the quicker full forwards, I suppose, rather than the the, the 90s, the era of the 90s full forwards. So, yeah, obviously a lot quicker and a lot more. You run a lot more Ks, I suppose, throughout the game.
0: <laughs> definitely. I definitely did. Yeah. All right, so you were drafted by the Tigers using Pick 18 in the 1990 midseason draft. Did you have much contact from other clubs prior, or did you know that the Tigers were always going to be your destination? Yeah, it was funny. Like,
1: Arap being a Collingwood zone, I was on their list as a 16-year-old. And then um, I only lasted a few weeks there over over summer, just didn't enjoy the city life. And then when I turned 18, I was at, went to Melbourne under Cameron Swab. Um, I was there for a couple of years playing 19s and reserves and then went overseas and played in the exhibition game and that's where I hurt, hurt my back. So that put me out of footy for a while. Melbourne dropped me off the list and then Swabby was at the Tigers um, in the early 90s there and obviously knew about me and put my name forward and yeah, got picked up in that mid-year draft.
0: Got taken. And uh, do you remember what the first day at the club was like? Were there any sort of senior players that you gravitated towards or that took you under their wing or anything like that?
1: yeah obviously Cloakie was still going around and flee, so they were on their last legs those a couple of boys, but then you run into the Pickering brothers um the Benny Gale was there as well. Wayne Campbell and Nida were the young bucks. so it was just a, it was similar to walking into like a it was obviously a country style club, um a lot of interstate yeah. guys and a lot of boys from the bush, so
0: it was just it was pretty pretty casual really. And you made your debut round one 1991 season versus St Kilda at Waverley Park. What was that feeling like running out for your first time?
1: Yeah, great, great excitement. Um, I remember playing against uh, the Swanny, uh, Saints and it was Lockett or Lowe and I think Lockett ended up pulling out because of an injury so, or sickness. So I didn't end up playing on a Lowe low that day. But So yeah, it was just a, a dream come true to play my first game and
0: also up against another strong opponent. And how did they sort of, I suppose, work out back then? To say if Plugger did play, how was it decided which one you would take? Is it Was it just between you and the other defenders or did the coaches give you specific jobs? they no? not, he's, he's yours. Yeah,
1: for I don't know. I can't really remember. Back in those days, it was just yeah, we, they thought we, we were the right matchup as, as myself on a, on a locket or a, a low with my height and all that. So, yeah. And obviously, back then, I was only, I don't know, probably 90 kilo. Yeah, so I was still yeah. only yeah, 21, 21 years old, so... Yeah, it was just the right matchup for the right person. And I didn't really last long in those first few years. As a, as a backman, I was just sort of played anywhere, really, to fill a few holes. And I certainly liked playing four, but
0: that didn't last long. <laughs> it did. Well, your first year was a ripper. In terms of you played all 22 games, which is quite rare. Even these days, it's quite rare for someone in their debut year to play every game. Uh, and you won the, the best first year player award at the club. Must have been a real highlight to get that straight off the bat in your first year. It was, and under playing under KB, like a legend of the of the club of the of the AFL, and to play
1: under him, and like we had some we had some tough days for sure, and we were sort of rebuilding, I suppose, under KB, and yeah, we just had to fight out fight fight hardest on most weekends, and we certainly had a few wake up early training sessions for our poor performances, but we had some good wins as well, and it was a, it was a yeah, it was a good good year to cap, cap off those twenty two games.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's a cracking start to your career. Now, you did spend most of your career as a fullback. However, you did kick a few goals, obviously. So you kind of, I suppose, classed as a swingman, as the the terminology they use today is to pinch it up forward. What position did you play in juniors? And was your preference, if you had a choice, to play forward versus being a defender?
1: Yeah, as I said, I, I played mainly on ball as ruckman in, in juniors. or And forward certainly wasn't a backman, so... I did love going forward and kicking goals, whether it was for a quarter or two or for five minutes or so. So certainly enjoyed kicking goals, but in the end it was always, or most of the time it was sort of full back or down the back line
0: on those taller forwards. So how how hard was that for you to completely reinvent your game as a defender given it was somewhere that you weren't used to playing? Yeah,
1: I suppose it was. I didn't mind it. Like
0: I say to a lot of people these days, I didn't mind playing against
1: the, the better full forwards who were well-known, like the Ablitts, dance Dunstalls and Lockett. So I think I, I played better and I focused more on those guys rather than the unknown ones. So once you got the gig on them, it was a job, you got paid for it, so you had to do it.
0: Now, the, the goals we're mentioning before, there was a, a time in 1991 at Victoria Park where you unleashed a, a massive torp, which I'll bring up on the stream. Now, I reckon this is not spoken about enough. Um, so, I'm going to bring it man. up here. Score. They Fire. replay. Oh, oh. I'll start it back. They replay it again. Oh, He's the danger, man. Is dropping back like I know it's taken. That's, bounce that's it bounced like two meters inside the goal line and in. I think they play it again in case we missed it. We'll watch it again because that is an absolute monster. Didn't mind a couple of barrels back in the day?
1: I certainly enjoyed the barrels, whether it was from having a shot at goal or, or, or kicking out from fullback. I had to make
0: sure I got on or else I was, I'd get me bum kicked by the coach. That's gone the best part of seventy-five, eighty metres. I reckon that is huge. That's one of the biggest ones you'll see. I reckon that's massive.
1: Yeah, I've I have been showed it a few times over the years, and I don't mind watching it myself and showing it to the young bloke because <laughs> the young bloke's he's overseas at the moment playing college football, so he's, in his, he's a punter. So,
0: oh, okay, whereabouts? Um, Which college?
1: At Colorado State.
0: Oh, nice. So he's, very
1: good. I'll, I'll certainly show that one and remind him how good I can kick it. That's
0: right. Pass down the genes of uh, – I suppose that's pretty much the aim of that game, isn't it, if you're, if you're punting just to get it high and long? So That's right. Yeah. Yep. Love to keep an eye on him. That's awesome.
1: Yep. No, He's going yeah. well. He's into his, into his uh, second year, year at Colorado State. So he's Oh,
0: he's had a good. pretty good year last year. So he's looking forward to this year, which starts in about a month. I actually saw an interview to, I don't know when Scotty Lucas did this, but they asked Scott Lucas if he ever went over. And he said, no, no, I didn't. I went over, just tried it for a little bit. But he was saying that uh, obviously it's a lot more common these days for Australians to be going over there to do do punting because kicking is so much more natural to us than it is the Americans growing up. Whereas it's kind of a last resort position for some of them who didn't make it on other spots on the ground. So it's good to see there's a a lot more Aussie footballers going over there and having a crack at it.
1: Yeah, it's good. Like, um, Paddy sort of went through like an academy under um, Nathan Chapman. He's got Pro Kick Australia going around in different yep. states. So he, Paddy, he started in Melbourne, then went to Geelong doing it. And then, yeah, he's obviously got picked up there you know, two or three years ago now. And he's certainly loving the American lifestyle. Um, yeah, and, and we're looking forward to going over there later in the year to watch him. Oh, very good.
0: Now, at the end of nineteen ninety one, uh, Kevin Bartlett parted ways with the club, which sort of, on the surface, seemed a little bit messy. But as as a you know young fellow at the club, how did that impact you, and how did it impact the team?
1: Yeah, it's, it's hard to say. Like KB, sort of, well, we could say we didn't have the cattle, but and we went through some hard times and tough times, and but we had some good wins. But yeah, I think that the club just I don't know didn't need a new approach and. Um, I think we went after Z as, as, as he was yeah. the next coach he, we went after him who had the sort of success behind him um, and he certainly did he came to the club and made us sit up straight and listen and do the right thing so we just sort
0: of brought that, uh, that knowledge that he had through his Hawthorne days to us So then we won five games in, in his first year um, what was it like having someone like him at the club obviously a, a huge presence just in football in general
1: for sure. Like, I remember the first day he came, we just sat down in the gym, like like we are sitting at school in grade one, sitting up, yeah. <laughs> legs crossed. Yeah, he's sort of talking at us, pointing the finger and making sure we're, we're listening. He didn't want to blink. He didn't want to turn your neck or turn your body in case he saw you ignoring him. So it was an eye-opener. Um, he just had some, the old-style approach to footy. And, yeah, we obviously had him for that year and we didn't do that well. But, yeah, it was a great experience to have him as a coach.
0: And then obviously we had him for that year and then John Norley takes over from 93 to 95 and we saw a fairly vast improvement, I think it's fair to say, with on-field results. Uh, what kind of impact did John Norley have on the playing group coming in, uh, in you know, and on the in the journey that he took you all on?
1: Yeah, once again, there's different ideas and different styles. and But I think what I got, a, got out of Swooper was he was a, obviously a former player and a premiership player for the Tigers and he just brought that Richmond blood with him and he got that out of us well, we try to get that out of us most times. And we got there through in 95 through into the finals and we played a good high standard of football. And it was just disappointing to finish on that note against Geelong in the prelim, but also to lose him at the end of the year to to yeah. to um to go
0: to Brisbane. Yeah, definitely. Um, now, in 92 as well, you kicked a career-high five goals against the Kangas in round 17. That surely after that you put your hand up and say, hey, I'm, I'm hanging, I'm hanging forward to you guys. No need to put me anywhere else next week.
1: Yeah. I, as I said, I certainly enjoyed kicking the goals. Um That year was at Princess Park. I think it was against, as I said, against North and the guy I played on ended up marrying a an Arak girl. So I see him a, a fair bit Well, throughout the years and I make, I make sure I remind him of that, that day <laughs> at Princess Park where I did kick five goals on him. Absolutely.
0: Every chance you get for sure. Yeah. yeah it was a, yeah. uh, a game in 94 versus the Saints and there was uh, I found these two quality goals from almost identical spots to the and the, fo- the quality he's of the footage is a little bit a little bit great. but Scott I, just I mean that's on the boundary line modern day players these days the struggle with these shots we'll have Where a look at that. you go the here. Same one.
1: now a very difficult shot for goal here for Turner he's a long kick but he's right on the ba- right on the boundary line very, very blustery day. She kicked outside
0: the boundary line. That's as easy as you'd like kick. in the
1: boundary. <laughs> I think he actually back This is an, another again. shot not long after from a pretty much the identical spot. Scott Turner.
0: So, here he comes. Right on the boundary again. Oh, don't tell me he's done it again. Two from what two. A great goal. I pretty mean, easy. Like I said, pretty easy. It's an easy of <laughs> kicking goals from the boundary. How often did you practice it? from out, from out that on those kind of angles? Because the conditions were were far from ideal. And That's to get right. two from two is pretty good going.
1: Yeah, a bit of fluke, I suppose. But you, I know, Before training back in those days, you'd have shots from the boundary in front of the rooms. or But out at Wailley, it's always that strong breeze going across or yeah. going one way or the other. So I think that day might have been an Anzac Day game before it, they started playing oh, okay. the common residents. And I think, yep. I think I was on, Spud was around the, re, in the vicinity of playing fullback around me on that day as well. So it was always good. Like I knew sort of Spud, obviously being a Ballarat boy and myself only up the road. So we sort of had a bit of a chat throughout the games before we, before he moved on to, into his coaching career.
0: Yep. Was, uh, was he pretty good on the lip out in the ground? Was yeah, yeah he was. Distance. As a country
1: boy, he's obviously full of it. And <laughs> and knowing each other, we were from, from, yeah, only an hour apart. So it was, always oh, good to have a chat with him on the ground and, and off the ground.
0: Now, in 94, we put together a pretty good season, but we just missed out in the finals by 6% to Collingwood. How frustrating was that for you in the playing group? And did that sort of turn into a bit of fuel heading into the 95 season?
1: Yeah, as you said, it did give us a bit of momentum going into the 95, and, but missing out by that small percentage where we could have looked back and won some other games and the close ones that we, that we did lose. So we made sure we just sort of continued on throughout 94-95 pre-season and made sure we're up and going, ready for 95.
0: And 95 is a, a cracking year. We finished top four. We make make the finals. Um, but I suppose the talk of the town has always been the 1995 semi final against Essendon. Um, you know, even watching the highlights again today, and, and recently we've had Chris Nation, Nick Daffy on the show as well, so even reminiscing with, with them too. But trailing by five goals at half time and even just from what the commentators were saying, we were absolutely cooked, but... How are you guys all feeling in that first half? Was there any sense of getting back into the game?
1: Yeah, it was a pretty warm day. So we're both teams obviously a bit buggered at halftime, but we refreshed at halftime. Swirby so gave us a bit of a spray and we are up and about. So and after that, we made a few changes during that third quarter, which obviously came out and we we played some good footy and the, yeah, the scoreboard looked after it. So here yeah, we know we played some good footy after, during that third, that second half and... It was just an amazing day to, to win and play in front of so many people on the G. And
0: you were one of those big moves. You were thrown forward, kicked a couple of goals, jagged a nice one out the ruck. Um, obviously, pretty pretty good to play your part on, on such a big stage.
1: Yeah, for sure. Like as I said, it was just a, a great day to play on the G in front of 80,000, whatever it was. And to get the win was, was special. Um, but, yeah, as, as you said, I went forward, kicked a couple of goals, and yeah, you got the boys up and going, which was good.
0: And the other, the other act that probably got the boys up and going and the crowd was the infamous Gary O'Donnell, which he still he still is very bitter about that, might I add. Um, how many weeks do you reckon you would have gotten this day and age?
1: <laughs> yeah, I get asked, I get asked and shown this video a fair bit throughout the throughout the footy season. So I'd probably get five or six, I'd say. So it was, it was just as I've, I've said, I was in the right spot, um, yeah. just trying to shepherd Nick Daffy with the ball and yeah. Didn't come off too good, but um, I, I can bring up a little story. I ran into his sister years ago at a, at a wedding and she wasn't too happy with me then, so really? she, didn't want to, she didn't want to have a dance with me on the dance floor, that's for sure.
0: Jesus. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's footy. It's, a, it's white line fever. You're trying to win a final. Uh, my goodness. Anyway, well, right. what was the – I mean, the, you could hear the crowd noise during that the comeback when, you know, we just kept kicking those goals. I think Nash kicked one to put us within 12 points and then we obviously go on with it. How much of a in those type of games how much of a factor is crowd noise? can you hear it as a player out there or is it is it just drowned out like you, you learn to have to block it out
1: it's it's one just it's one big buzz and you can just feel yourself the ground vibrating really and like you'd be 20 meters from your your teammate trying to yell out or direct give him some direction or just to chat to him you, you couldn't hear him you couldn't hear each other talking to each other. it's just amazing the, the crowd just roaring and I remember going to the um the Giants and the Tigers grand final there years ago it was just it was just like that just one big loud roar and or
0: continuous roar from the yellow and black members from start to finish yeah uh, we do get pretty loud uh, And as we mentioned before the prelim obviously didn't go our way um, there's a few of the so Nick Duff and Chris Nash both kind of alluded to well one alluded to that if the game was at the G we might have stood more of a chance against Geelong and Chris Nash reckons that if it had have somehow ended up being against Carlton that we would have done Pretty well out of it. Where do you sit there? Do you reckon if that game was shifted to the MCG for whatever reason, that we've had a better chance against the Cats, or were they just far too good at that point in time? Uh, it didn't help when
1: Michael Gale kicks it the wrong way and went on playing on Gary Ablett. That's fun. <laughs> that's one. We don't need any more delivery in. down there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'll never forget the day. I Yes, I said it was out of Waverly. We never probably played that good of a footy out there, but Geelong were a, a super team back then and obviously a great playing a list of players. So we just, we may have played our grand final the week before, I suppose. I'm just disappointed to get beaten by so much.
0: The Tiger Faithful were still loving every second of it in terms of supporting the boys as best as best they could. So it was um it was a memorable day in some weird ways, but yeah, unfortunately we just fell a little bit short there. Yeah. Uh now in ninety-five you you did something that not many full backs were able to achieve, and that was to keep Jason Dunstall goal or something in round eighteen how did you go about keeping someone like Dunstall goals? I know there's obviously different things that happen with midfield pressure and other defenders helping out and things like that, but to keep someone like the Chief without a goal is a pretty huge effort. Yeah, well, obviously wind back the
1: clock when he kicked that
0: 16, 17 goals out
1: against us out at Whaley, so it was that was a hard gig that day. But um, I was coming back from a three-week suspension this night. I played on him, and it was a cold old night. I had the long sleeves, I think. I, might have, I don't know whether I had a glove on or not, but had the had the mullet cut off, so I was a new man. i had short hair, and <laughs> I just had to try my hardest. And yeah, it goes back to the on-ball game with the pressure that they put on that night, and and also your your teammates around you, that your fellow defenders. And it was a much easier easier night for me that night than than early in, early in the ninety two or three, whatever it
0: was. And you played with some remarkable players, and against some remarkable players as well. If you had to pick one or two of the better Richmond players you played alongside alongside, who would they be?
1: Yeah, some some great uh on ballers, and Campbell and Bondi, and Callaway and those guys and then you got your tall forwards, your Benny Gales and your Richos and and then down back you got your Calloway again and Bully and Wiggers. There's so some good um good defenders and Gasper later in the year as well in the, yeah. later in the nineties nineties. So it was a a good mixture of players and fair, and fair like on paper, uh, very good teams throughout the years. And yeah, we just need them need them all together, I suppose, all together at one at the one time to, to fit them on the park and play our good foot
0: good style of footy. And what about your opposition play? That either you hated to play against or you loved to play against because it was a challenge.
1: Yeah, as I said before, it's just the the nineties. It was a every club had a fair a fair. Fair and full forward. So that was They did. It was pretty, they did, yeah. Pretty hard gig like Ablets and Dunstall's and Lockets. I always ran those three names off when people ask me, but every club had one. Like West Coast had Sumich and oh, Carlton had Kernhans and those guys early in those 90s. And then Adelaide, when they came in, they had uh, Modra. So each week I was sort of having a couple of beers and whatever to help me sleep the night before.
0: So there's there's no there's no rest between between games for you. You can't switch off.
1: No, that's, that's, it was either the right matchup or there was like Duncan had always come, Duncan Callaway had come down or Paul Bullis or or Stuart Wigney back in the days. We we'd sort of make sure we got the right matchup and yeah, you'd have, certainly have to try your hardest, do your homework, and hope for the best. Hopefully, yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah uh, reoccurring knee problems unfortunately forced you into early retirement. How long did it take to fully recover from the knee issues? Yeah, uh, 95,
1: I heard it sort of late 95, and I just continued on from then on. And then since 95, I, I think I ended up having about six operations in between 95 Jeez. and 2000, which which made me sort of re- end up retiring us, really. The, I ended up probably using three or four different surgeons, um, did, getting different ideas. And the last one was really they could do a graft off my hip and then put it into my knee somehow, and then they said no more contact footage. So, or contact sport. So that's what that's why I ended up retiring in at the end of ninety nine, two thousand. So I thought that's enough. And I always said I wanted to go back, obviously play country football, um, which yep. I ended up doing, and then but also having a chance to have a run around and have a kick with the young bloke when he was young.
0: Yeah, for sure. Uh, yeah. So I, and I think you got back into coaching, or you went into coaching. Sorry, almost straight away down. Was it Warrnambool? You went down, did some coaching.
1: Yeah, so when I was more or less within a few weeks after I retired, Warner Bull on the phone. Like we had no contacts down there to, to move or to play and or coach. So they were really professional about it. And they approached how they went about it, and we went down, looked around, and yeah, moved down there for in late two thousand. Yep, and then coached that first year in two thousand and one to a premiership, and
0: and doubled it up the next year. And was coaching something you always thought about getting into? I know you probably weren't thinking about it during when you were playing because the knee obviously. You, Probably came on a bit quicker than it should have. But was coaching always something you've had interest in to get into?
1: Not really. Like the the last year at Tigers in 2000, we helped out with um Darren Crocker in the in the VFL in the reserves team. So I didn't I didn't mind doing that. Just sitting up in the coaching box, obviously learning learning in the in the box, and but also yeah, working with the younger guys. And that's when I sort of probably turned the table and said, all right, I'll give it a crack and went down to Warnerborn. and yeah, certainly enjoyed the six or so years down there playing footy and Making many friends.
0: And doing, have you done any other sort of level of coaching since then, or that was just the one and only stint?
1: No, when we moved back to Ararat, so we've been back in Ararat about fifteen years or sixteen years now. So I coached Ararat as well for a few years and didn't have the success, but also but enjoyed obviously coaching me my old hometown, hometown and for sure back here still now helping out as much as I can.
0: Very good. And uh, what else did you get up to post football days? Where did you do do any travelling? Do any business stuff?
1: Yeah, so we um, when we moved to Warnable after the first those first few years of coaching, we we opened up a noodle box franchise oh, in Warrnambool. For the, that was chopping and eating veggies and Chinese style meals for three three years. So it was a, a, a different experience. Um, the hours, the staff, and the customers. So just did something different, something for us as a, as a family. Um, and then that's when the young bloke was young, and then we. We've moved back here to Ararat right now I'm obviously work. I work with the Department of Justice um, and my wife owns the uh, a local childcare centre and works there. Oh, very good. So still keeping very busy. Yeah, we sure are. And as I said, the young folks overseas and the daughters in Grammar and Ballarat, so empty household. I'm enjoying watching the, the sport up one end of the house and the wife's down the other end <laughs> watching the movies and Netflix and whatever. <laughs>
0: Uh, living, living the dream with the the split TVs, not having to uh, share the share the screen time.
1: That's right. Yep.
0: Uh, now, in round 17, 2016 versus Essendon, you were welcomed back onto the MCG as our homecoming hero, which is a, a great tradition. I love that the club do this. What was it like walking back out onto the G in front of the Tiger Army that's just gone absolutely nuts for you?
1: Yeah, great. It's like a, as much as I I get to the footy, I've been a few games this year, and you, you catch up with some of the. We call them the old grog squad, so there's always a few there that used to yell abuse at me, I suppose, during the 90s. But they also give me a clap and a high five or a beer whenever they can. So always, that day was special to walk on the on the ground with, with my daughter, and it was just amazing that the 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 fans giving you high fives, as I said, or cheering and giving you a clap, and yeah, give me a few goosebumps that day. I remember kicking the ball into the into the net for a goal, and and then going upstairs and meeting some the president's luncheon and meeting other guys up there which were well known around the club.
0: I think, after speaking to quite a few of the past players, it sounds like it's the one thing the club does really well is to keep our past players engaged with the club across various things. Do you find that to be the case? Like, is it always good to get back and, you know, reminisce and talk to your old teammates and the staff members and things like that?
1: Yeah, it is. We just had one recently against the Hawks, so it was good okay. to catch up with your Callaways and Hollands and Gaspers and Rossi Funk come down from Donald, so... It's a good weekend and you catch that was our era through so the 90s, and you catch up with the older guys through and Justin Pickering's, uh, Craig Smith's, um, Emmett Dunn, those type of guys. So it was always it's always good to catch up. We've got a good club, whether it's a, a function at the footy or a bowls day or a fishing trip, it's, or a golf day, it's always good to catch up.
0: Yeah, for sure. Um the current crop of Tigers, though, eh? you mentioned that you obviously went to a few games this year and and some finals in recent times. What do you make of the Tigers this year? How do you think they're going under McQualter since Dimm has moved on?
1: Yeah, it's it's hard to watch. I'm just watching the game on the weekend or Sunday. um, We just find it so hard, I think, to to get our goals, whereas opposition find it easier to get goals against us. So it's disappointing. We've got some good young ones coming through. Give them some game time, I suppose, and then give them another pre-season to bulk up and get fitter and stronger. So... We've still got a good group of uh, experienced guys. Um, we'll obviously might lose Rewalt and Kocchen, they have been amazing for the club, but yeah. we still got a good bunch of like twenty to twenty-five-year-old kids, young folks coming through. So be, certainly, the, we're not going down. We'll know, and we might miss out on finals this year, but there's always those three premierships that we've won just recently have been amazing for the club. And yeah, just looking forward to the next decade, I suppose, of footy and see where it takes us.
0: Do you reckon we've got an, enough petrol in the tank to try and win the last four games to make it? The Marvel games worry me. We don't play those yes, games that game. Yes, I
1: agree with that. I'm not a big fan of the Marvel Stadium. and I know Punt Road's the same size of it, but we we, we still struggle to play footy there. I don't know why. Um, But fingers crossed, you never know. We're up against the Bulldogs and, and the Saints, so they're two that are fighting for the eight as well. So Yeah, exactly. Let's hope we, yeah. let's hope we, um, yeah, we bring our A game, I suppose, and try and have a couple of wins and...
0: Not rely on that last game against Port Adelaide over there to just to, to make the finals. <laughs> We've been saying the same thing. The last thing we want to do is re- is to rely on that because even if they've yes. got second locked away, I feel like there's an element of retribution coming from Port Adelaide after we knocked them knocked them out in the prelim on their home deck.
1: Yeah, that's, and they're up and going. They've had a couple of hard weeks at the moment, but they'll refresh and they'll be ready to go for finals. And it would be good to knock them off. But let's get let's focus the old one week at a time and see what happens. That's it. Do you do footy tipping out of interest? I haven't done it for a long time because I got sick of forgetting to do it. But this year, I've yeah. done like I've done about six or seven games in a row, so I wouldn't forget. So, I'm this not. This round not like,
0: just gone horrible. I think I got one or two. It was unbelievable.
1: Yeah, I got two. I went to work this morning and I thought, oh, I may scrap in for two, which I, I did pick West Coast. So I don't know how or why, but I picked them to get me <laughs> get me to <the> two. <laughs>
0: That's, that's a good round, I reckon, to get in two. The worst yes. part about my line is in the comp, I mean, they have a joker, so you can play it to get double, and I played it this week. So I've gone from one to two, so that, that is an epic fail. Yeah, good. Very good. Um, And what about, do you have any sort of favourite modern-day players, whether they're Richmond or other? Well, I suppose we can do both. Who's your favourite current-day Tiger and your favourite non-Tiger player currently?
1: Favourite... Sure. I don't know. I don't really – obviously Dusty, but he's he's um, everyone's favourite. I like following Bolter down the back of line for the Tigers. Um, but I also like Short just with his long kicking off the half back and mm. able to run down and kick those 60-metre goals as well. So it's always good to watch them. The two of them, they probably, probably would be good at college football themselves. So yes, they, they really, would be
0: actually, yeah.
1: They certainly can roost the ball, the two of them. But um, I don't know. I don't really – like obviously, too many opposition players. But that's probably a bit of a like. As a kid, I used to pray for Geelong, but now I hate Geelong. So <laughs> I, I certainly don't like watching them win. And well, last year winning the grand final, but I'll be I'll be praying for this year in the, from the miss out in final. So it'll be good. It's not um, looking good for them. I don't know. I'm, I'm just I don't know who. Like yeah, I watch plenty of footy. I watch it Thursday nights, Friday nights, and yeah.
0: It is hard to gravitate specifically towards a play from a non-richmond club. I get it. I get it. It's um yeah 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 easy to pick yeah. your favourites from uh, from the tigers, no doubt. I
1: can't think of one off the top of the scone. Yep.
0: And I think you'll have the whole tiger army behind you uh, by saying we all hope Jong don't make it. So hopefully, hopefully that stays the case.
1: Yeah, that's right. Yep.
0: All right, before we let you go, just got a couple of really random rapid fire questions. There's no rhyme or reason for these. just a bit of a laugh. That's, oh, not laugh, but just to see, just to pick the brain. Tomato sauce in the fridge or the cupboard? Cupboard. What's your favorite drink? Doesn't have it can be soft drink, alcohol, whatever. Carton Dry. Uh, least favorite? Apple juice. What's your favorite board game? trouble well that's a good one that can cause some arguments um where did you go on your last vacation
1: uh
0: america this one can be controversial does chocolate live in the fridge or the cupboard both both yeah see we're we're a we're a split household on that one as well uh favorite pizza topping uh salami and does pineapple belong on pizzas yes very good, very good. A few people say that they can divide a lot of people as well. But, yeah. No, a bit of fun there at the end. But, now, Scotty, thank you so much, mate, for jumping on tonight for a chat about the Tigers and your time with the Tigers and the future Tigers. Um no Hopefully we can jag a couple more wins and sneak into the eights. It'll take a little bit of effort to get there. But, uh, no, awesome to, to relive some of your, especially your goals. I mean, you know, who, who we need to play them more often, I reckon. Yeah, that's right. Get them out there. Yeah, we'll start sharing the links. to We'll just do a compilation of your goals, especially yeah. that talk, folks. Get around the torpedo. That was an absolute monster. So yeah, bigger, bigger than Melbourne bites. I reckon it nearly was. If if they could do that digital measuring, it would go pretty close. I reckon.
1: Yes. But yeah. Uh,
0: yeah. thank you again to Nick for getting this organised, and I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for jumping on, and um, hopefully we can yeah, get a few wins and jump up into finals. Yep. All no right. Thanks for the chat. Thank you much. Have a good night. Cheers, mate. There we go, folks. Scotty Turner, former Tiger, absolute superstar at the club, an absolute pleasure to have him on board. Thank you again, Nick, for, for organising that for us. It's, um, it's always great to hear about their time at the club and the goals we kick and all well, the goals they kick and uh, everything in between. So really, really fascinating to, uh, to have Scotty on. Absolute superstar. So thank you. And then, and like I said before, it's so good that the club do that, um the homecoming hero and get him to come out and get to the G and stuff like that. So it's, yeah, it's really nice that to honour those homecoming heroes and to to show the respect that, our, that some fans didn't necessarily get to go to all the games, but they can, you know, go and show their support that way. But thank you again. Hope everyone in, enjoyed that. Um, interesting in the chat as well. I do want to hear from everyone else on some of these questions in particular, and we will talk about. I say we, I and all of you, we'll talk about the Richmond Melbourne game and the upcoming game. What's is everyone? What's everyone's vibes on the tomato sauce in the fridge or cupboard, and the chocolates in the fridge or cupboard, and the pizza and the Hawaiian pineapple on pizza? I want to hear everyone's thoughts on that as well. So make sure, chuck some of that in the chat, and I'll uh, I'll bring up some stats now for for the footy. <coughs> oh, pardon me, as my voice breaks because we do have to talk about oh, we do have to talk about the footy, don't we? It was um a tale of three quarters, really, wasn't it? The the Tigers versus Melbourne. Uh, we'll go with go the scoreline first. 15-8-98, the Tigers, defeated by Melbourne, 20-10, 130 by 32 points at the G. Um, not a great last quarter. I, I, I think, would it be fair to say, everyone, that the first three quarters, I personally felt that we were almost the better team. or we definitely more than competitive for the first three quarters. Um, I probably felt there was a few opportunities that we missed, but... My overarching bugbear was probably just how much we leaked easy goals, like Petty kicking six, Melksham four, and uh, Van Ruyen, we name is, kicked four or five as well, I think. So I, I just think that we gave up some easy goals. I don't think our defenders had the best of nights, unfortunately, and I, I think a little bit of that could have come down to some of the lack of pressure in the midfield as well, which, uh, which wasn't helpful. But looking at our team specifically, I thought Dusty's game was really good. Three goals, 21 disposals, um, two tackles, two marks. It, it kind of felt like in that first two quarters, three quarters, that it was the Dusty evolve. Like it really did feel like 2017, 18, 19 Dusty vibes. Um, he was getting everyone up and about, creating havoc, um, kicking goals. I thought Dusty had a, had a really, really good game. Uh, Camden McIntosh, I know he copped some some heat the other week, but he you know bounces, pops his head up again for two goals. Um, which I think is a is a good return. Liam Baker got two goals. Taranto, Soldo, Rioli, Rewalt, Prestia, Coulthard with the goal in the first 35 seconds being on the ground. Uh, Bolton and Bolter with the goals for us. But keen to hear everyone's thoughts on the game itself. Um, the key forwards, yeah, that's right, Nick. The key, all the key forwards get multiple goals, and you're right. Usually we're able to lock down on at least. Say so one and a half. I know that's not really a thing, but we can usually cover one and a half. Sometimes two, but the fact they all got off the leash so easily was was really frustrating. Um, you know, especially because he was a defender as well, and it just sort of felt like that all of our defenders kind of had off nights at the same time. Like there was, I think Grimes dropped some easy marks, Floston dropped some easy marks, uh, Miller obviously got subbed off. Um, keen to hear everyone's thoughts on the Miller subbing. What did everyone think of that? Was, was that the right call or the wrong call? I mean, this if you want to base it purely off the scoreboard, it suggests it was the wrong call. Um, maybe it could have been Pickett instead. I'm not sure. I, I just think taking Miller off, I felt like it exposed us a little bit in the ruck, particularly. Um, you know, at one stage we had Dusty competing against Max Gorn in the ruck, which is far from ideal, even though Dusty's a strong unit. Um, I don't think... That is of benefit to us and Bolter in the ruck. I'm not fully against, but I don't, I also don't think it's something he should have trained for. Well, he would have trained for for a long time either, potentially. Um, I know Bolter went forward and kicked that really good goal that kind of sparked us, but it just it really did leave us exposed in a couple of areas around the ground. And I know Miller didn't get a lot of the ball, and um, but he never does. And I don't think it's not really his job to get a lot of the ball to be fair, but I, I just think that structurally it, it kind of left us a little bit exposed everywhere Do you reckon, is that a fair thing to to say yeah barry agree agree it was the structure it's a hard call though like you got to make those split second decisions i was really glad for cool coming on and kicking that goal though i thought it actually a really good kick uh looking at some of the key stats though across the game um uh, the big one for me inside 50s we had 45 which is which is okay. Our, our average for twenty twenty three is fifty two point nine, but the D's had seventy three, and I don't think it matters who you play against. We almost gave up, gave up double the inside fifties. That teams are gonna are gonna win more than they're going to lose um, at, at that rate. And I, I know we went at fifty three point three percent, and they went at forty five, but that is an, a huge differential to give away. Clearance wise, we lost the clearances by nine. It probably felt like more than that. I, I thought. I thought early on Soldo did a really good job against Scorn. He obviously kicked a goal himself, uh, big Soldo. Um, I thought he put up a huge effort. I think it was, it felt like it was just a tank thing, trying to keep up with Max Scorn, who's an elite, absolute elite ruckman of the competition uh, for a whole game, which was yeah, a little, a little bit tough for, for Big Soldo. And the fact that we took Miller out meant we had no real proper backup ruckman to then compete with him as well. So that wasn't really ideal. Um, the free kicks, 9-11. to 11. Now, I'm going to be honest. Watching the game at home, uh, I actually didn't notice too much. I, I don't know why I didn't notice too much. There was a couple of bad ones. The Jacob Hopper 50 and the um, the holding the ball against Broad were were both pretty bad when he got clipped pretty high. But um, I have seen quite a bit of outcry on the socials about it. I probably didn't necessarily feel as strongly as others, but maybe I need to rewatch bits and bits and pieces as well. Um, but like we said, it's it's not always the ones that we give away. They're quite often there. It's the ones we don't give away, uh, the, the ones that we don't get. There's a couple of holding the balls and players maybe didn't have ample time. The broad one, the fifty was cost some cost some momentum, but Hopper did have his hands on the ball. I think by letter of the law, it, it probably was very technically there, but. Um, yeah, it's one of those really sort of tiggy touch wood ones, I guess. Ross turned a good winger. Yeah, I thought Ross had another good game. A couple of real slick movements with cutting the ball back inside and freeing players up. I think he's I think he's done really well. Um, like I said, I, I think he was pretty pretty stiff to be dropped the week prior as well. But yeah, the fifty. I agree, Barry. It was the fifty. I think that was the momentum killer. That can really sort of take take a lot out of teams. Um, but also, I, I don't want to. I don't think. I don't think at all that the umpiring played an outcome, played a role in the loss of this game. When you look at how easily at times they were able to get centre clearances, Petrarca running into goal, kicking a couple. Um, I know we got some back the other way, but I just think at, at really crucial moments, for whatever reason, our midfield got sort of slaughtered in some areas. Uh, later in the game that, that really got the Ds back into it, which which wasn't good. And Graham, and to your point, I think that's bang on, is that Soldo was unfortunately a little bit cooked. And I, like I said, I thought he had a, a really good game. But it does make you wonder, obviously Nank couldn't play because of the suspension and Miller was there, but should we should have we gone with a Samson-Ryan and Soldo combination? What's everyone think of that? And because gone is a, is a freak and a champion, CJ, you were absolutely spot on. Absolutely spot on. And that's the question. It's um, how far off are we? I mean, it, it just felt like the D's were always, always thereabouts with us. Um, we just couldn't. I mean, the disappointing part I think is we got to a twenty-point lead like two or three times, but couldn't get that next couple of goals to go on with it and really make it hard for them. So that I don't know what that comes down to, but you know, having one key four didn't help. Although I, I was very impressed in the first two and a half quarters, at least, with our ability to actually lower our eyes. And move the ball around to sort of eliminate Lever and May's um, interceptability. I think we did that really well, and I would like to see us do more of it, which would be which would be good. Need a change of captains from Matt Uh I agree, Matty. I agree. Um, when Nank and Grimes were initially announced as captain, I thought I thought it was a good call at the time, um, and I know it was divided a lot of people. But as time's gone on. As time's gone on, I kind of feel like more and more it was the wrong decision, but then I'm not sure if there was a more obvious one. But I think now this season, this season for me, one obvious choice has emerged as who should be captain, and I think as early as next year, and I think it has to be Liam Baker. Um, I'm sure there's probably a lot that agree with that, and there might be some who shouldn't. But uh, for me, Liam Baker leads from the front with his actions pretty much every game, week in, week out. He's hard at it, dual-sided, can kick goals, can defend. Um media stuff i don't really give two shits about he can do whatever he wants there not not too fast uh, but baker for me personifies how we should play he, he plays exactly how koch played when he was captain just that desperation that really lifts your teammates to go to the next level so i think that he i think that he should be the captain next year and uh, to be fair grimes probably hasn't got many years left um and nank nank's still had a good year an okay year but i just think he i think he's played better without the stresses of captain so i, I yeah i'm a i'm a plus one for uh, plus one for big baker um yeah did feel a bit that way ralph it, yeah momentum killers are a huge bring the pressure in the next three we're gonna have to barry definitely gonna have to a few people supporting baker cumberland cumberland's the other question i think kane was it you yeah kane brought that up um he's an interesting one isn't he cumberland what's everyone's thoughts i mean he obviously kicked six goals the week before in the vfl and didn't get the call up so in a point in time where we only have one key forward at the moment and it's very much a weakness of our game plan pardon me and undoes us almost on a weekly basis there's obviously something else at play with why he didn't get a game or why he's not getting games. And it can only really be if there's an attitude issue or if there is more deficiencies that he has to work on. But from what I've seen offensively, he's obviously got everything going for him. He, he can do all that. And I I reckon I've started to see a little bit of defensive stuff from him, uh, from the bits of the VFL that I've seen, but there has to be something else at play here as to why he's not getting a game because otherwise it defies logic. And, and you know, you're looking at McQualter, who's coaching essentially, not coaching for, his, for the job next year. Well, I suppose he is. It's almost like an audition. And even though that would help fix our structure, even he is not selecting him, Um, which, yeah, which just makes me wonder what is happening though. It's yeah, it's a big price to pay because I think we are a much better side when we have two bigger forwards. I know he's not Tom Lynch big in terms of stature, but um, something's not right there with that whole situation. But we need a solution, though. We need a solution because yeah, it's too easy to intercept Mark and cut us off. um, Yeah, if we don't have another play there, Cummins to come in this week, and and. Yeah, Bow. I don't know if Bradkey's ready. Bow obviously injured the hamstring. The the worry with Cumberland is he's not obviously not getting opportunity. And I, for one, personally, won't be shocked if this keeps going. I won't be shocked if he leaves at the end of the year, whether it's by by trade or whatever it might be. And I'm not. I don't know anything. I'm not. I'm not hinting or alluding to anything. uh, You know that I know secretly. It's just that I feel like he thinks he belongs at AFL level. I think. I think on X-Base form, he probably will belong at AFL level uh, because he's got that genuine X-Factor about him. But for one reason or another, we're not playing him, and I think it's just got to do with attitude and discipline. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, Grok, um, extended form, I get that in most cases, but in an area of the ground where we're crying out for support, I think you kind of have to throw that one out the window. When we're talking about halfbacks or small forwards or midfielders, when there's guys already doing that role reasonably well, I think extended form is then warranted. But in a specific position on the ground that we're struggling in massively, that's exposing us massively and could be the difference between winning and losing games and making finals, I think you sometimes have to let it slide. Although the uh, the, the counter-argument is, I guess... Does it create poor culture if you just start if you hand out a game on that scenario but not others? So I, I do get both sides, but it's um it's bloody frustrating. Frustrating from a team perspective that we're we're not really addressing what's happening there. Uh 11 goals in three games. Jesus. It's crazy. Oh well, we uh we look on to this week though. We've got the doggies on Friday night at Marvel, which is I don't like that it's at Marvel. Um, We've also got two games in a row at Marvel, which isn't helping us at all. The Doggies lost to the Giants by five points, and that was a a really close game. And, you know, again, and this is why the loss against Melbourne hurts a little bit more because a lot of the teams around us were doing us a favor, really. And they play each other anyway, so you know spots we're going to open up but that was our chance to get ourselves into the 8 and we uh we obviously missed the boat on that front which wasn't which wasn't good but the dogs the dogs are going to be a big test for us um yeah the marvel the marvel cut I'm as much as we want to get over it it's unfortunately a real thing isn't it um it would be nice it would be nice if it just turned out to be a Hardwick thing and not a qualter thing as well but it's going to be it's gonna to be tough. It's gonna to be tough. Like we essentially have to win all four games from here on out to play finals. And a few things probably have to go our way as well. Um it's yeah, it's gonna be tricky. So you're looking at the dogs team, you've got you know, their four their big forwards are probably what worry me the most. And I say that because it with the inconsistencies that our defense is showing because of their age, and that's I'm okay with that. We just don't know what we're going to get. So, like, Norton, as we all know, we remember from a few years ago, we made Aaron Norton look like Wayne Carey, um, which which was hard to deal with. Uh, Hugo Hagens, oh, I know he didn't kick any goals last week, but he's starting to sort of come into his own a bit. Um, Bailey Smith is is always getting dangerous. Uh, who's the other player that's down there? Oh, what's he name? the duty dives? Cody Waitman. Um He's starting to kick legitimate goals now, not from free kicks. Um, they yeah, they're just, they're a little bit of a scary prospect, if I'm being honest. And their midfield as well, it bats so deep. And I've said this for a few years, they're one of the deepest midfields. We've got Bonten Pally, Bailey Williams, Caleb Daniel. Um, who else they got? Bailey Smith, Cody Wayman, Trelaw, Libba. Like, yeah, they've got good players. And then, so I miss Rory Lobb up as well. So he's another one up there. So they've got some serious height. Um, Oh, do they lose? Oh, is that right? I didn't know that. So Barry's just put in the chat, oh, a few people did, uh, that the dogs lost Bruce and Keith. Really, that's um that's big outs. That makes things a bit more interesting. That definitely helps Jack Rewalt uh, because those two, very similar to May and Lever, would have would have intercepted for days if we don't lower our eyes. So that makes things very interesting. Yeah, Lob's can to tear us a new one. Um, Where's because at? Carol, a good question. I, I've heard mixed things. I've heard, and you don't know how reliable this stuff ever is, but I've heard that um, that apparently he's been in a spot to, to be right to go for a few weeks, but the club's holding him back. I, again, don't know how true that is, um, but that's an interesting bit of info. So I would have loved for him to have been out there because that solves a couple of issues, to be honest. But yeah, I don't I I mean I don't think he's gonna play again this year. Uh Ben, I think I think Shorty is available. I think he was close to playing last week. So it could just be some musical chairs. Who do you who would you take out though? Who would you take out? And I, I don't think it could be Mansell either. I thought Mansell had a really, really good game. Um not from a disposal perspective. I'm okay on that front. For me, it was Mansell's attack on the ball. Like he had some big hits and big tackles, and I thought that was Really keeping us in the game and keeping us going in that you know that first of three quarters. Don't think we'll drop Grimes. Pickett could be one that. Yeah, it's a, it's a hard one. Shortcoming for Grimes. I don't think we can do that though, guys. Shortcoming for Grimes won't help us at all. Um, I'm, I know Grimes is off for a little bit. I'm not sure if he's injured, but if they've got Liberatore, you Hagen and Norton, we cannot drop Grimes. Cannot do it because we will get we will get outmarked in a uh, ridiculous way. And then if Bont goes down there as well, I know Brody plays tall, uh, you yeah, know, got young Bolter, but with those three tools, Grimes is not the one to drop, unfortunately, unless Miller stays in and Miller can, has to play full-time defender. And then we have still have the ruck issue unless they bring in Samson Ryan to ruck with Soldo um, and Miller plays back. That could be the, um, the other one as well. Good to see some love for uh, for Mansell, uh, Ralph Banks probably for sure that that may happen. I don't think it's warranted though, but I think you you may, you may ultimately be right just from an experience standpoint. I thought Banks did okay. Again, I don't think he did too much wrong, but I I do take your point for sure, for sure on that. Uh, Mansell's ferocity was insane too. I know, I know, some absolute genuine spear tackles. Um, Viney got a bit of a reminder that it was almost Sydney Stack like out there. Gibg still medium term. Yeah, Rioli. Did he, did he hurt himself? I'll have to try and track that down. Oh, yeah, Nank's back. Nank's back. So what happens there, guys? Do we think that will we drop Soldo and put Nank in or do we go back to playing the Soldo and Nank combination? So who they've got? They've got Tim English uh, and Rory Lobb, I assume, will do the backup rucking. Um so you probably have to go in with two. I guess would that would it, would people be happy with that? Banks going yeah I liked Banks' game. Pickett or Graham for Cumberland, McIntosh yeah that's right. Mac has kicked two goals this week and one goal last week at a clutch moment, so I don't think he'll be going anywhere. And especially with Bailey Williams um, and someone like Jack McRae might be on the wing. I think I think we'll need him in to try and uh, sort of keep them from getting on the fat side of the ground. Nank comes in. What have we got here? Nank comes in for Miller. Nank plays majority forward and Soldo, takes number one ruck role. Soldo's form's been too good to omit. But can Nank do a good enough job as a forward? May not have a choice. Um, And then does Coulthard get a full game? He's had two games as sub. And I think he's had... I know he probably faded in the last quarter, but we didn't really fire a shot as a team, to be fair. Um, But he came on and kicked that goal straight away, which was really, really good. So does he get a full game or... Or does he, you know, go back to the twos and get some full games there, and then and then come in? It's so hard because there still must win games, uh, and I'm not saying, I'm not saying that he's not going to make a contribution over four quarters, but do you do you go with what you know in terms of experience when you're trying to still win four games to um, to crack into the finals? Yeah, Nick, it is. It's probably more the running patterns I was probably more alluding to, but. I suppose our play style typically doesn't lend itself to clean running pattern styles that we tend to just bomb it in. So it might actually suit him in some uh, weird way. Coulthard looks like a footballer. Yeah, I like him, Harry. I like him. He's very, very light in terms of frame. Uh, Ando on Twitter posted a, I think, I don't know if I mentioned this last week or not, posted an absolute cracking side by side photo of Coulthard and a very young Shane Edwards. Um, uncanny similarities. And I think and hope that that's the type of player that Coulthard becomes. Um, smart, reading it off the pack. It was a, a true small-crumbing goal to your point, Grok. Um, seems that over the ball he uses his pace. Obviously, it's a small sample size, but um, I really, really hope Coulthard turns into a Shane Edwards 2.0 for us because that would be a huge, huge get, huge get. We need speed, Jenny. I agree, especially against – we need – we need speed, but we need two-way running as well. It's no like it's no good if the speed that comes in runs one way. So as long as they're hard to, to work back the other way, I think that is okay. Uh, spot on, Grot. We did. We lowered our eyes the first two and a half quarters. It, it was actually quite impressive. Um, like I said earlier, <clears throat> if we had a blaze away, Lever and May would have just killed us. <coughs> Pardon me. But we are working the ball around on different angles, and we have to now with one key forward who's not in his prime. And I don't mean that in a disrespectful way to Jack, but we have to, we have to move it around. It's just, it is what it is. Uh, if Morris was available, I think he's entered. I don't know if he will be available. Um, RFC. I think he entered concussion protocol uh, from an injury at training. So I'm not sure. I'm not sure how long that spans over. I don't know if it's 10 or 12 days, but us playing on the Friday night, could actually almost rule him out potentially. So that that will be interesting. Yeah, Bolton was good again. Agree, Graham. Bolton was good. Uh, interesting moment on cochran A few people have mentioned this now. Cotch with eight disposals. It's hard. I feel like any week he has a down game possession-wise, people are, are on him. I'm not saying this in a negative way to you. I've I mean in general, um, on his back again, but then he's just as likely to come out and put in two or three cracking performances because the same thing happened last year um, and he really amped things up and, and got things going our way. But yeah, it's a, I don't know. It's an interesting on, as a sub, maybe, I don't know, does he have enough impact? For, for me, a sub needs to be a really zippy type that can break a game open, um, not so much a contested player. I'm just not sure. I'm not sure. I'm not sure how, how that's how that's going to work. Bauer. See, Bauer's another one who's going to put his hand up to come back in. I personally would love to see Bauer again um, You know, on the back of, obviously, the very unfortunate injury from his debut. We'll um, see what happens there. So, hi, mate. Yes, 100% agree. And it's so hard because and we've said it before that Dimmer, I think, was well within his rights at the start of the year to try or to plan for Dusty and Koch to play forward more, to bring in a new breed of midfielders and, and change it all. I think on the surface and on paper, that made complete sense. But what's ev- eventuated is, as a team, we still play our best football when Dusty's running through the middle. And that's been on display for the last month, just his explosiveness, um, just getting those little quick kicks out of contests and things like that. And for me, the Dusty we saw on, against Melbourne was like, for the first three quarters was very, very similar to the Dusty of 2018, 2019 he, uh, and 17. He was very, very good. So hopefully we can see more of that from Dusty. Clark, yeah, Jenny. I like Johnny Clark. I like him. Um, he's probably competing for spots at the moment with Mansell, I guess, and then Morris Pirelli Jr. to a lesser extent as well. But I think long-term, I think he'll be a part of our plans long-term. And Kul he's competing with as well. Like, I would love, and I don't know how we would fit this into to happen, but in the near future, it would be kind of cool to see how a Ford line consisting of Juddy Clark, Coulthard, uh, and Morris Jr., Jr. would go in terms of just speed and utter chaos. It, it would kind of bring back memories of the Castagna, Butler, and Higgins or Edwards type sort of looking forward line with the mosquito fleet, if you want to call it that. Um, I think I don't know whether Juddy Clark will stay as a Ford, though. I think he's going to have that flexibility to play in multiple positions. Um, and Coulthard maybe as well, depending on how he, uh, on how he fills out. So Dusty popping it from sixty, maybe go grab the pence. It was a, it was a good kick. He was never passing it either. He had his eyes set on goal, and he absolutely nailed it. It was beautiful. It was beautiful to watch. So it was, uh it was very good. Clark is out. Yeah, Clark. Yeah, he'll play a few different spots. I reckon, Juddy Clark. He, um, I, Every time he's played up forward and he's kicked a quick goal, he is one of the quickest hand-to-foot motions with the ball in hand I've ever seen to kick those quick goals. Which, uh, yeah, he's quite fascinating. So the big issue, though, is the key forward issue, folks. That's the one we have to solve. But, I, yeah, there's mixed emotions on, mixed feelings on whether Jack will retire this year or not. Things seem to suggest he will, but there's also a part of me that thought he maybe wouldn't. Um, but if he does retire and we're left to just Lynch, we really do need that second solution. Um, and if they're not going to play Cumberland and Samson Ryan's not playing down forward, the next option for me next year would be Gibkes, um, who can then sort of swap and play defence as well. So that will we have a trade target in mind, which I think we do. I think we've... we've um, we've noted that a few times on this show, but yeah, it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting. Uh, what Paul say, Dusty Taranto on Bolton, I think need to be our starting on balls with Presty Hopper rotating in. Yeah. I don't disagree with that. I think that's a fair enough call, Paul. I like that. Bradkey. Yeah. It's, it's so hard. Like while we're still mathematically a chance, I don't think we'll see someone like Bradkey play. I think if we were to lose to the Bulldogs this week and, the numbers are officially done and we can't make it. I reckon that's when we'll see a few more new faces come in um, because McWalter I feel like, has essentially had to sort of carry on with what we've been doing um, because we've still been a chance. I don't think he's been allowed to put his own influence on the game just yet, so you don't have too much of a, a drastic change. So that's going to be interesting to see how that plays out. Speaking of McQualter, before we finish up, what... What's everyone thinking in the coaching hunt race? Obviously McQualter is, you know, doing all the right things and putting his hand up, Um, but there's been a lot of talk about Josh Carr and the way the articles were worded with us going after him sort of suggests that that's who we're leaning towards, but that can be written any way you want with the media. But what's everyone thinking with the McQualter situation and or Carr or any other coaches that have put their hand up that I don't really know of? Harry's looking on Himmelberg. Nank playing forward with Bauer as hybrid could generally solve our problems. Possibly. It's just Harker's bow is still a little bit unknown. But you did grow, you did say Carr off air last month. And I, I don't know a lot about Carr, to be totally honest. Like, I knew him a little bit as a player. But um, he's obviously done very good things. He's at Port at the moment, I guess. And it's it's very much divided. So we've got some Carr fans. We've got some McQualta fans my yeah keep mini i suppose the argument comes down to do you want to go a full clean sweep start completely fresh get a new new set of eyes new faces new everything which is essentially a full rebuild from a coaching perspective or if you you know if you listen to dimmer's interview that he did with dylan buckley that the way they've run the club is they've set it up to such a point where him leaving anyone can step in and take over that's there and, and get on with business as usual so I think it's going to come down to if the club thinks that the game plan and the directions that they've been trying to instill are still the way forward. I reckon they'll go McCualta. If they think it's a new face, yeah, it'll be obviously Carr, I guess. But my only issue with that is if we get Josh Carr in, does that mean we lose Rutten, Teague, like all these other experienced heads um, that I think have done really good jobs with our defenders and things like that? Like, I think they've been really good sounding boards for bolter because the assumption would be if a new coach comes in they're going to bring a whole new team with them um and i don't know how i feel about that because i think our assistants have been really vital um to what we've done and like I said, car is still untried too so we don't really know much about him either but uh no coincidence he leaves frio then they turn shit and port go better true not convinced on car his history isn't that good some make out want a proper fresh voice that, and this is a good question, Lady Hawke. Can we have Josh Carr and Kate Minnie? It's a great question, and I, I really don't know the answer to it. And I've thought about it as well. Like, if if we give the job to Josh Carr, is McQualter going to want to hang around as an assistant? Or, I mean, history would suggest that the interim coach pretty much leaves if they don't get it, doesn't it? So I, I would love him to hang around because he obviously does good things. But is that a bridge too far? Yeah, it's a fascinating question. Fascinating question uh carousel i don't think would be any good as a, a full coach uh no disrespect to him i just don't think he's got it newy i think it would be good to get him back uh i'm not sure if he's ready or yet ready yet or not leper ruled himself out yeah is it too late to give fly a call yeah i wouldn't be against that at all wouldn't be against it but anyway oh well big game this week folks against the doggies let's get some tips including margins send them through i'll pop a few up uh, I reckon the oh, so torn. I'm gonna to say Richmond will get up by 14 points, but I, I don't say that with any any real confidence, sadly. Uh, as we know, Marvel is not kind to us. The Bulldogs are a reasonably good side who do bat deep and have some good players in. But they, if their two defenders are out, that is an interesting prospect, and and yeah, it maybe opens up some opportunity for us, but um. We'll have to wait and see. Why don't we get that Damien Hardwick bloke? I know, Espo, I know. Yeah, that's, that's the doozy. But um, thank you so much for tuning in tonight, guys. Much appreciated. I know it can be hard to tune in after a loss like that to the Ds, uh, but I appreciate you all stopping by. And I appreciate again and a huge thanks to Scotty Turner for coming on earlier and a huge thanks to Nick for organizing that as well. So much appreciated to you, Nick. Um, in terms of the upcoming weeks i think there will still be shows on monday there may be some weeks in the very near future that there won't be a show it just depends uh, because my third child is about to arrive so depending on how all that goes may sort of mean shows might be hit and miss but we will we will see how it how it goes and um we'll obviously try and be on to do as many shows as possible. Ah, uh, that's shit news, then Barry, Bruce, and his ACL. That's shit. I don't like anyone doing any injury, let alone uh, let alone ACLs. That that is truly shit for uh, for Bruce. So best wishes to to Bruce for recovery on that front as well. Baby watch, I know, I know. So um, like I said, we'll do my best to get get on. I think I think I'm about to make time, but you may just see me holding another infant in my arm whilst on camera potentially. Just do do my best best to help out. So. Yeah, it's going to be it's going to be interesting. If it's if it's another boy and I've got three boys, it's going to be utter chaos here. It already is. The other two beat the hell out of one another, um, so it's will make things very interesting. But um, anyway, have a good night, everybody. Thank you so much for tuning in; much appreciated. And hopefully, we'll be tuning in on Monday with a win under a against the dogs, and maybe we're in the eight or very close to it. i will have to wait and see how we go. So, oh, Warren, that's a good question. Sorry oh thank you harry nappies thank you for reminding me and formula all that kind of shit's crazy i built a crib the other day or a bassinet sorry uh tigs uh good question warren thank you for putting that there tigers everyone is doing well um he has wanted to come onto the show for a few weeks now um but his actual main concern he doesn't want to let people down if he has a bit of an off night or whatever so he's he's thinking of everyone else um but he's at a point in time with his recovery that he's just got to focus on the rehab and the treatment that he's getting. Cause it, it's all kind of been, um, I suppose to be able to find, find out <coughs> what was kind of wrong and how, how to fix it. So now it's time for him to sort of button down and get it all sorted uh, to get himself right. But the, the issue he had is fully, fully fixable and curable and all that kind of stuff. So that's the good news. It's just now him doing the things he has to do to, um, to get himself right again. So Tiggs will be back in no time um but we're not rushing him either obviously so uh, naturally his health and everything like that is the number one priority but uh, he does he does want to get back on but he needs to look after himself first so as we said before if you're on twitter if you're on big footy wherever you are make sure you send him some love whether it's a dm or a generic message on there just say you're thinking of him and you know he still tweets away on on game day which is always amusing but yeah, if you do see him on on the socials, make sure you give him some love and just let him know that the Tiger family are thinking of him because we all are, and he will be back very shortly. So he, he is. He wants to get back. I, I reckon. I'm. I don't reckon. I don't want to. I don't want to go early on this. But I'm. I'm hoping he's going to really prep for a, a big trade period. What a, what a what a comeback special that would be if he just dropped in for a big trade one. So. Yeah, Stiggs is going well. Um, Yes, we will send him all the love we can. But I appreciate you everyone for stopping by tonight. Hopefully it wasn't too uh, annoying just listening to me ramble on afterwards. I appreciate all the interactions and the questions. It makes life a bit easier uh, when flying solo, which doesn't happen very often. But have a great night, everybody. I appreciate the support. And until next time, go Tigers.